This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast. This podcast was created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. But when they truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Our special guest is Joseph Warren. Joseph grew up in welfare government cheese. He started his first seven-figure business at the age of 19 and wasted away his 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. He made millions, but then lost it all and considered taking his own life. Today, having triumphed over through multiple failed businesses and broken relationships, Joseph is the founder and elite men's coach at blowuprocks.com. Joseph married his dream girl, Fallon, in 2019 and loves being an epic father to his daughter, Alora, and son, Ash. In his spare time, he hosts Your First 100K, a top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show, brother. Yo, David, let's go, man. We're here for the man who's ready to take his life and all the areas that are not working to admit it. And give it to God, who's actually in control of his life, mm-hmm. and have the courage to do so. So hopefully we inspire that man to take that one step he's been avoiding and get completely different results. I think we can today, brother. <laughs> well, Joseph, I'd like for you to welcome, you know, just, just give our audience a brief history. Tell us your story, brother, if you don't mind. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my story is not brief. <laughs> my story is epic. Uh God is, is amazing. You know, back when I was a little boy, I didn't know why I went through pain. I didn't know why my life looked different than my friends down the street. But now looking back on my life, I see that God was setting me up for the purpose he had planned for my life. And the work I get to do right now is I get to coach, you know, Christian husbands, dads, and business owners who are angry and stressed. They're bringing it home with them. They're yelling at their wives and kids because they don't know how or where to point their anger. They don't have an outlet. No one's taught them how to do it. And I take them from that place of being crushed by the rocks in their head. I call those rocks, right? That's head trash. That just means head trash, Mm -hmm. right? And we bring them from this place of angry and stressed into peace and purpose. And we do it in 90 days or less guaranteed. Here's the best part. We do it without marriage counseling and we do it without therapy. Who Mm. knew? 
Who knew? Yeah. Men don't even like going to those things, right? Paying for someone to fix you and tell you there's something wrong with you. We don't like it. So that's the work I do. And now I'm going to set the context. Back, let's see what God was up to back when I was a little boy, right? So I was raised in a Christian home and uh, I was raised by a good father and a good mother. But dad was angry. Dad was an angry dad. And uh, exactly like I was at certain times in my life, and many of your listeners are, nobody taught dad how to express his anger in a healthy way. As a matter of fact, he wasn't allowed to express any negative emotions whatsoever. Because that's not what men do. Men don't cry. Men don't show emotions. Men just press and suppress Mm -hmm. those feelings, right? So that was my dad. And my dad was a Marine, is a Marine, still alive, Marine forever. And dad, you know, he was in the Vietnam War. And I'm going to give you a little story about dad because it really sets the stage for the man I became because we tend to model our fathers, Mm -hmm. both the good qualities and the bad ones, yeah? Yeah. Even if we declare, I'm never going to be like dad. Subconsciously, we end up like dad, right? It's just mm-hmm. what's so. So dad comes home from Vietnam. And at, right before he comes home, the last stages of the war, I mean, that was a hell, horrible war. It was violent. It was nasty. Hundreds of thousands of American soldiers lost, killed, destroyed. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a, a helicopter uh technician mechanic right so he fixed those double helo choppers right oh yeah but at the end of the war it was all all hands on deck right because the war was out of control so he had to fly into enemy territory into hostile fire and slide down the ropes into the into bullets flying at him to retrieve the dog tags of his fallen brothers so that he could bring back at least something for their families to remember them by So that's real, man. And that's scarring. Mm. And you can imagine, I can imagine, my father's feelings of powerlessness as he couldn't save his friends. And he watched them slaughtered, falling one after another. And then the survivor guilt. Why him? Why is he still alive? Why is he still standing? Why is he the only one going home? And all of that out of control or loss of control, well, that makes a man angry. Mm -hmm. So my dad did what he was trained to do and he suppressed it. Don't show pain. Don't show feelings. And he pushed it down into what I call his, his good soil, the good soil God put in him, fertile soil. And he pressed it down, pressed it down and, and all this head trash, emotional trash, You know, these are rocks, right? And he pushed the rocks deep into his soil until he couldn't notice them anymore and he became numb to them. Mm -hmm. This is what many of us men do, right? Brother, as you're listening right now, maybe this is punching you in the throat a little bit. And if it's not, don't worry. We're going to punch you in the throat today to get your attention. Because God has to get your attention before he gets your heart Mm. and wins back your family. All right? But first, we got to get you to wake up. You're sedated in your lives. We all are as men. All right, so there's dad. He comes home from the war, and man, he wants to raise a family. He knows he's called to be a father and a good father. And he gets close with God. And, uh, you know, he takes religion. And at his, that time, he chose Catholicism, right, being Catholic. He was raised uh, Protestant, Protestant home, uh, but really non-practicing parents. 
So he decided, I'm going to be Catholic. I want to do it. I want the structure, the rules, the discipline, because it reminds me of the Marines. <laughs> yeah. And Catholics, they definitely get that one right, huh? So he took all that, and then he combined it with his Marine Corps training, and I just call that redundancy, right? It's just too much, too much religiosity. And, uh, you know, we had a loving home growing up, and there was six of us. My dad married my, my mom. He met her in Queens in Astoria, New York, right? New York City, USA. Mm -hmm. And she's uh, off the boat, you know, Greek, and uh, very authentic like the olive oil. <laughs> and my dad marries, so they, right? And, and they have six beautiful babies. And life is good. Life is loving. And then, you know, at age eight and a half, my dad, his yelling, his shouting, his explosive anger. My mom just had enough. See, again, he didn't know how to contain it anymore. So when the kids acted unruly and were just being kids and disobedient and disrespectful, my dad didn't like that loss of control, that powerless feeling again. It reminded him probably of the war and, and all the trauma. So he would snap at us, yell at us. And he didn't mean it, and, and I know he felt immense guilt and shame afterwards. But here's what's interesting, and some of the guys I get to work with, they've shared what happens on the inside. One of my clients, he's like, Joseph, I yell at my wife and kids so many times, more often than I like, because I bring home the work stress. And uh, it's gotten so bad that I can't even apologize to them anymore, because I know I'm only going to do it again. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm lying to them. So I don't even apologize anymore. And wow. I'm destroying the people I love. Right? So that was my dad. And I, I imagine he had similar. Right? So he couldn't apologize to us. Instead, he actually wanted us to come apologize to him for being kids and disobeying and doing what we do. Right? Yeah. As children. So all that to say, my mom couldn't take it anymore. She filed for divorce when I was eight and a half. And then the enemy entered in because there was all that feminism going around, the books and everything, but the nasty kind, like men are dirt, men are scum, men are yeah. no good. You need to screw them over before they screw you over. Mm -hmm. And it was just all this brainwashing. And, and my mom bought into it, unfortunately, and the enemy came into our loving home. The darkness came in, and, and he spoke through my mother's lips. And I remember, and my mom's a good woman, right? But she didn't know better. It was all subconscious. And, and he spoke into my ears because there was custody battles for two years fighting over the kids back then. And the kids had to choose. You want to spend the rest of your life with mom? You want to spend it with dad? And they're both doing puppy faces. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's traumatic for a kid, right? Yes, yes. So I'm eight and a half years old. And mom's like, pick me, pick me and all that. Well, enemy whispers through mommy's lips into my ears over two years repeatedly and convincingly. Joseph, your father never loved you. It was all a lie. He's been pretending your whole childhood. Pick me. Well, when I heard that lie over and over and over again, persuasively, well, what happens? It becomes your, your truth. Yeah. Not the truth, but it became my truth. And I felt betrayal for the first time in my life as a little boy with an undeveloped brain. And I'm, I'm going deep into the story because I really want your listener to get the context of what happens in a young boy that creates a angry man. And there's a listener right now that's resonating deep with my story. Oh, I yeah. know, I know. All right. And maybe a few of the details are different, but man, <laughs> the impact's the same. Right. And, and 
So it became my truth. And I was like, no, no, daddy did love me. Daddy did love me. I know it. He showed all the love. He's been there for me. He's told me he loves me. But the lie just kept repeating. And then eventually I was like, okay, okay. What if mommy's right? All right, daddy doesn't love me. Right? Betrayal and rocks entered into my heart, around my heart. But then I was like, but, but if, if, if daddy does love me and mommy's lying, what the heck kind of sick parent would ever say that to their child? Well, then mommy doesn't love me. And I felt betrayal on my mother's side. So now, right there, what entered in is daddy wounds, father wounds, and mother wounds. And these rocks start to build around my heart. And I remember at eight and a half years old, and I didn't know it back then. It wasn't conscious. It wasn't verbal. But I made an inner command, and I made an unconscious decision never to love again. Mm. Never to let anyone into my heart, to that area, so that I never have to feel that pain again. Yeah. I never wanted to feel betrayal again. Broken trust, David. So that command was, no one's ever going to hurt me again. No one. I won't allow them to. So I surrounded my heart with a fortress of rocks, a pile of rocks, unknowingly. And that really painted all my relationships going forward, especially my romantic dating relationships with girls. Anytime girls got too close, I would give them the Heisman and push them away and say, no. They started saying, I love you. I was like, eh, no, no, no. It's all a lie. I can't believe them. Mm-hmm. So I would end the relationships. I'd break their hearts before they broke mine. And then I'd make it their fault. I wasn't the ones with problems. They had the problems. And I lived in dysfunction because mm-hmm. that's what I had experienced. So taking all that, I became a very angry boy. A very angry boy became an angry man, young man. And then I took all that anger, and here's kind of a happy ending a little bit. And we'll wrap up that early chapter of my life. I applied all that anger into business. Mm. And anger for men, men's anger in business is like jet fuel, rocket fuel. It's freaking fantastic. (laughs) When you apply it in one direction, you could do a lot of good and create a lot of success in business. But what makes us successful in business is poisonous in our personal life. It's destructive, right? So I applied anger to business at age 19. We built the business with some partners and we did $2 million. We hit seven figures in 12 months from zero. And we're like, what the heck did we just build? Man, this anger jet feels awesome. Not that I knew what it, that's what was fueling it. But then five years later, I burnt out. I was a workaholic. I worked 110 hours a week. I had no life. No relationships, no time for relationships. And then I was just angry with everybody. I was angry at life. I was angry at the world and I didn't know why. So when I got the money and success and I semi-retired at age 24 and a half with, you know, all this success under my belt, 50 employees I was responsible for such an early age, man, I ruined it. I did the prodigal son. I took the inheritance and I moved to a foreign land called Scottsdale, Arizona, and I partied it away on loose women. Mm. And I burnt through it in five years and I bottomed out with nothing. Wow. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Wow, man. Um, 
Oh, such an amazing story right there. And just the way I, I love the way, Joseph, how you tied that in with how your father, right? How it kind of transcended everything he did to you, to you. And you started doing exactly what was taught to him in your own life, mm-hmm. you know, but it's good that you recognized it. Um, one of the things that really spoke to me was about the yelling. Okay. And I, I had a friend of mine tell me recently that a lot of times when we're yelling, it's because we're confused, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that really resonates with me too. Cause if I look at it, if I'm yelling at my kids, I'm yelling at my wife. It's really because I'm confused at the situation and I don't know how to handle it because oh. men, men tend to try to want to go ahead and fix things. Right. Cause that's by our nature. That's what mm-hmm. we do. And when we can't fix it, we're confused. How do we handle that emotion? A lot of us tend to yell. That's right. You know? Yeah, I think I think you said it really well, David. That confusion or not knowing what to do in different areas of our life mm-hmm. creates a sense of powerlessness. Mm. And it's that loss of control in men that creates the inferno and the inner rage within that burns. Think of it this way. Picture a, a tube of toothpaste is your heart, yeah? And... Uh, when you feel loss of control, well, before we go there, so on the tube of toothpaste, you got a cap and you got one end, right? It's a exit for the toothpaste, right? And when you apply pressure to the tube and you unscrew the cap, out flows the good toothpaste and you can do good things and keep your smile looking beautiful and handsome and all that, right? Yep. And it works. But here's what happens in our lives is, because the world and society says, do not express your emotions, man. You're toxic. Your masculinity is toxic. Well, we hear that enough. We're like, okay, this is a way to feel ex- be accepted and not be canceled in this culture. Well, I'm going to tighten the cap mm-hmm. so nothing gets out. But here's the problem. Life continues to apply pressure to the tube. And when he applies enough pressure, eventually the toothpaste will come out, brother. And it will come out, out the bottom, out the sides of your life. Not out the top where it was meant to. It will come out everywhere in all the wrong areas and at definitely the wrong times. And then you're going to feel guilt and shame because you made a mess over the people you love. And that guilt and shame is going to form new rocks that that you then bury back into your soil and it applies more pressure and you get stuck in the shame cycle. And because of the shame, you're like, how could I have done that? Why did I do that? I know better. I love them. Why would I say that? And then you feel more loss of control, Mm -hmm. which then creates more anger, more rage. And eventually, the only way to cope and to manage is to find pacifiers. Mm-hmm. And men's pacifiers, you know, the little pacifier sucky toy that I give to my little eight-month-old son. That he sucks on and he's like... <laughs> Men are walking around in today's modern society with pacifiers in their mouth like little babies. Trying to cope and numb out and escape the lives they've created for themselves because they don't know what to do with all the mess. 
all the anger, all the rage. So those pacifiers look like pornography addiction. They look like alcohol addiction. They look like workaholism. Mm -hmm. Right? They look like rage and explosiveness and loss of emotional control. I want you to look at a recent case in modern times of Will Smith and that whole thing, right? Yeah. He wanted to honor, I believe, his wife, but he didn't know how to express it. So he's just like, oh, I'm going to be chivalrous. Let me go up and smack the crap out of this guy on national, international television. Well, what happened was the toothpaste came out the sides mm. at the wrong time and cost him, well, hopefully not his entire career. But that's an example of the actual consequences in the real world. If we don't address this, it's going to come out somewhere, brother. Yep. Man, that, that's so true. I mean, I heard uh, one of my past guests, he's a, a well-known uh, psychologist, Dr. Stephen Poulter. And uh, he was talking about how in front of his office, two guys got in an argument. And it could have been completely de-escalated if they would have put down their machismo and stuff like that. But instead, <laughs> the guy chose to shove the other person. The guy fell, hit his head, died. No. Yeah. Hit his head on the curve. That split second of not controlling that anger that you're talking about, that oh. anger, that that bursting of the tube right there cost him his life. It cost that man his physical life mm -hmm. and it cost the aggressor probably the next 10 years of his life in cleaning up consequences. Yep. And they're going to be real consequences. Oh, yes. Dude, great example. Great example. You know, another present day is Johnny Depp, right? All over the news, mm -hmm. just won the case and everything like that. You know, this was me. And I'm going to take it off of anger for a second and put it onto dysfunction, right? I described my childhood. I had a lot of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. but I also want to say this. The way I thought, my, my, first, ex my first lens of true masculinity was looking at my dad, observing my dad and how he dealt with his emotions. Right. It's not what dad said. It's what dad showed. And an explosive dad losing it at the wrong times, right? Making us beg for forgiveness, all this stuff. Well, that must just be the way a man is a man. That's what a successful man looks like. Cause dad is Superman to me as a little boy and brother, you're listening. Your sons look at you like Superman and your daughters look at you like, Prince Charming. There's nothing imperfect about you in their eyes. So they will model you. You believe mm -hmm. it. Believe it, right? So I saw that, ex right, that anger. And then also the other part of the dysfunction was running away from real emotions or running away from conflict because I didn't want to face it. I felt that confusion. I didn't know how to deal with girls and their female emotions. So I I dodged, I avoided, I became a professional avoider. Mm -hmm. How many husbands in their good Christian marriages avoid real conversation with their wives? I did. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know what to do with all that femininity no. energy. It's like no one's training us on this, right? So I look at Johnny Depp and I'm like, man, I dated his wife. Now, I don't mean like his actual wife. But her, the way she showed up in that courtroom, that profile of a female with a ton of dysfunction and lying and believing her own lie, 
like just habitual lying. I dated those girls because I was attracted to those girls because I had so much dysfunction in me and the dysfunction in me was attracted to the dysfunction in them. Yep. And we were hot and steamy, right? But we were like olive oil in a frying pan without a cover. Like <laughs> things are flying, <laughs> man. People are going to get burned. And eventually we did. And that's how all my failed dating relationships look like. And I have been in those situations where you hear the recordings and the girl, she said those things to Johnny. And it's like, well, it's your fault you made me swing at you. It's like, what? You provoked me, right? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, it's an example of a woman who has all these emotional traumatic rocks from her own childhood that she's never dealt with. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know what to do with them. So she's slinging rocks at her husband. And then he doesn't know how to speak up. He's more of a passive type of man, a Pam, a passive alpha male, right? Yeah. A Pam. We got too many Pams in our society. We need more Sams, strong alpha men. Mm. That's what I teach men. I, I teach them to trans, transi- transition from a Pam to a Sam in their marriage, in their life, in their business. Not in a toxic way, but in a godly way. So there you go. You got the Johnny Depp, you got the wifey, and you know, and then it all ends. And and as a man, what happens? You lose everything you work so hard to achieve and attain. And you lose the very ones you did it for. They're gone. Your kids are gone, your wife is gone, it's her fault, it's your fault, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, it's the anger. So we gotta get it around it, right? And I know, like, we're moving here. We're moving, right? So we're about 30 minutes into the show here. And whenever you want, I'd like to give your your listener the how-to. The how-to. I'm going to teach them my seven steps for mastering your anger and your stress, brother. Do you want that? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to take a sip of water because, you know, my New York accent is coming out. Don't hold it against me. That just means I'm having fun. Are you having fun? Absolutely, brother. <laughs> well, I was just talking. I was, in fact, I just watched uh, a show the other day with a, a good friend of mine, and it was the um, Andrew Dice Clay. And he's oh, like, yo! <laughs> I remember him. Yeah, he was awesome, man. <laughs> a little too many F-bombs. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy. That guy. So All what? right. <laughs> these guys. All right. So talking about these guys. Brother, if you're listening right now and you resonated in a way where the Holy Spirit punched you in the throat and got your attention... And is waking you up to the reality of the life you've created Mm. and the marriage you feel stuck in and the powerlessness that you feel at home. Listen, you're successful in business. Business comes with a manual. You can Google that. You can Google success strategies, success principles that work. You apply them and you get proven results, period. They're tangible. They're controllable. Okay, but then you go home, right? You leave the office as a winner and you go home and show up as a loser because nobody teaches you how to win at at home. We just hear from the pulpit every Sunday, be the spiritual leader of your home. You're called to do it. Now go do it. And you're like, okay, okay, I get it. I'm going to do it. I'm pumped up. How? How do I do it? Don't worry about it. Just go do it. 
Mm. And nobody teaches us how to do it. And it frustrates me. It frustrates me. So I'm going to teach you how to do it today, okay? All right, let's get into it. I'm going to give you the what. Here's the seven steps, brother. Now, you can do them or not. It's your life. But I could tell you this. If you do nothing about your current situation, don't think naively that it's, everything's just going to work out on its own for the best. Oh, Joseph, Joseph, you know, time heals all things. No, brother. That's a lie. Time does not heal all things. Think about the last time you ignored your wife's real concerns in your marriage and you avoided the conversation. Did it heal all things or did it eventually come out the sides of your toothpaste tube? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be real. Yeah. <laughs> we got to be real about it. Time does not heal all things. Brother, I'll tell you what does. Forgiveness heals all things. Hmm. Forgiveness heals all things. That's why Jesus used it as the, the means to salvation. He came and forgave mankind for our rebellion towards God. Forgiveness heals all things, not time. All right, let's get into seven steps for mastering your anger and stress. Grab a pen and paper. You're going to want it. You're going to want it. All right, David, you ready? Yes, sir. Let's go, baby. All right. Outrageous ownership. Step one, outrageous ownership. This means, brother, you got to take extreme ownership for the life you've created. No one else is to blame. The marriage you're in, you created, not her, not your kids, your parenting. You created it. The areas of your life that aren't working, you created. Let me tell you how that, what I actually mean by that. You've trained people how to treat you well, and you've trained people how to mistreat you. True mm -hmm. or true? True. True. <laughs> so if people have mistreated you, like the girls I used to date, I created that. I allowed it. I tolerated it for way too long. Don't tempt good people to do bad things. They will. It's called a fallen nature. We're all broken, sinful. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us is without sin. All right, so you take extreme ownership. No one else is to blame. You got to like own that. Your life is yours. You face and embrace the consequences of all your previous decisions. Even if it's ugly to face or scary, you're not going to try to escape your life ever again. You're not going to. You're not going to. Stop smoking the weed, brother. You know how many good Christian men are smoking weed right now? Nah, just if I vape. Yeah, what's inside it? You dumb nuts. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> You think none of the world around you can smell pot all over you? You're the guy driving in front of me with the windows cracked and it's coming out your muffler. And my family's getting high and driving behind you, bro. I take issue with that. God's going to hold you accountable. All right. So we got to bring levity. I crack jokes a lot in my coaching because we got to bring levity, fun to serious topics. We learn quicker. Yeah. When we're laughing. Don't you agree, David? I agree 100%, brother. All right. Step two, radical responsibility. Radical responsibility. What kind of responsibility? Radical. That means you're going to show up like different than like the way your friends show up in your life. You're going to show up and start taking radical responsibility. This means, brother, you're going to lean in to the, your own darkness within you. You're going to look at the soil. You're going to look at the rocks, the head trash. You're going to face it finally. 
You're not going to like what you're going to see. It's going to scare the heck out of you, but you're going to do it anyway. You're going to lean in and do whatever it takes to create workability in all areas of your life. That means the areas that aren't working. Now, sure, there's some areas that are working. You're killing it in business. You're a winner. You're doing seven figures. You're doing eight figures in your business. Dude, you're a superstar. But why aren't you winning at home? Don't you want all areas to work? You can. This is God's plan for his sons. You're his son. So this is important, brother, for radical responsibility. You accept that no one is coming to save you. Let me say that again. Brother, no one's coming to save you. Let me also repeat. Brother, your situation, if you do nothing about it, is going to get worse. Far worse. What does worse look like? Think impending doom, demise, and destruction of everyone you love. Everything you've attained and worked so hard for. Gone. In a divorce. Boom. Mm. We got to get real about what's real because men lie. Men are lying to themselves. They think, no, it's just going to work out on its own. I know it. God's got good plans for me. Yes, he does. And he expects your 100% full participation in your own healing and recovery, brother. That looks like you leaning in, looking at the rocks, facing them, and then giving them access, giving God access to come in and do the demolition. Stop relying on you. See, this is why men can't get rid of their own rocks. They're too big. Their strength is not sufficient. But God's is. So I teach men how to access God's power to blast the rocks in their life and stop trying to do it themselves. Oh, Joseph, I'm working on it. How long have you been working on that? Oh, I don't know, like five, ten years. Hey, how's it going? Is it working or not working? You're working on it. It's not working, brother. Wake up. Change of approach or you're insane. <laughs> Am I coming on too strong? No. Perfect. I think you motiva- motivated me with Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> minus, minus the F-bombs. Yeah, yeah. All right. Brother, step three, loving leadership. Loving leadership. Leadership I've defined and I've coined the definition of real leadership. How do you lead at home? How do you be the spiritual leader at home? How, well, it's the same way I believe that you lead in business. It's the same way that you lead in any area of your life. Lead in sports, whatever you're doing. Loving leadership, leadership simply means, ready brother? Three words. You go first. That applies to every area of leadership in your life. You want to be a good father and raise great kids that become incredibly godly adults? You go first. That means let God heal you first before you're like telling your kids to do better and show up better. Let God heal you first in your marriage before you try to fix your wife and her problems. Right? This is the, the, the two by four in your own eye versus the splinter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the other. Right? This is what Jesus is talking about. You go first, brother. All right? So that's what leadership means. It means you're going to put yourself at risk. You're going to take the arrows. Not your wife. Not your kids. Not your parents even if they were crappy parents, not your siblings, not your friends, not your employees. You're going to take it, brother. You're going to go into the line of fire. Let's go. But you're going to do it with God. And you're going to start today. No more procrastinating. 
If the Holy Spirit's punching you in the throat today, right now, as you're listening, that means God's timing is right now for you. If God is bringing the rock to the surface, the boulders that have been buried that you don't even notice anymore, and all of a sudden they're showing up right now with my annoying New York accent, that means God wants you, he wants your obedience now, today. Obedience to God is always swift. It's swift obedience. Otherwise, you're just not obeying. You're procrastinating. All right, so loving leadership. Any questions around that? No. No, perfect, brother. All right, brother. We're winning here. We're winning. All winning. right. Step four. Step four, brother. How we doing? Spiritual surrender. This is the game changer for your life. Spiritual surrender. Now, maybe, brother, you're listening right now, and you're like, this guy, Joseph, I don't like him. He's a jerk. He's coming on a little too strong. Okay. But are you awake? Are you seeing it? If you are, you're welcome. See, I got to get your attention first. Before you're going to take any action, right? Right. That's why good marketing starts with a great headline. Otherwise, you don't read the ad. <laughs> so consider this your headline for 60 minutes. <laughs> Neon sign flashing on your forehead. You got rocks, brother. We all do. Here's the good news, though. There's nothing wrong with you. Brother, there's nothing wrong with you. God made you good. And God put good soil into you when you were born. But the enemy's been lying to you the same way he lied to me over those two years of custody battles. You know, I'm not lovable, right? The enemy's been telling you God's not a good father. You can't trust him. You're no good. You're irreparable. This is what the enemy lies to us men with. And we hear it repeatedly and convincedly, and eventually we start to say it back to ourselves. The second we do, we internalize the rocks and bury them in our own soil. So spiritual surrender is the next step, which is you're going to give God control and access to those rocks. See, God's the ultimate gentleman, brother. He waits for you to give him permission. Did you know that? The God of the universe waits for your permission. That's why Jesus says, I knock on the door of your heart, waiting to be invited in. He's God. He could kick in the door. <laughs> but he doesn't. He's a gentleman. He waits for you to be ready for the miracle he has for you. And brother, God has miracles for you. I watch it every day and with my clients. It's awesome. I'm not doing anything. They're not doing anything. God's doing the miracles. They're just leaning in and facing the mess. And I'm giving them, you know, some tools that work. All right, so this means spiritual surrender. You give God total and complete control over your business and family. This, is, this set me free right here, David. This set me free. I hope it sets that one man who's ready free. Mm -hmm. brother you are only responsible see nobody teaches us in church what we're actually responsible for as men right you are only responsible for your actions and your inactions ready all outcomes and results afterwards belong to god not you and whenever you're trying to manipulate the outcome push and force the result you're stealing from god wow you're playing god in your own life 
You're inviting God to come and sit on the throne of your life, but he can't because you're already seated on your mm-hmm. own throne. You're a little control freak, just like me and the rest of us. It's about time we admit it. This is why God hasn't come in and shifted your life the way you've been praying for him to do so. There's no room on the throne of your life. You're there. Mm -hmm. All right, so you got to spiritually surrender your entire life, your business, the finance. Yeah, that means the money, your income. Oh, that was the toughest one for me to let go of, David. That was my last stronghold. I was like, not the business, not the money. God, you can have all other areas of my life. I surrender them to you 100%. But no, this is my baby. And God showed me what was real. And I had to admit it, David. God, I love you. I love you. But I don't trust you. Like, if I'm being honest, I don't trust you with my money. I don't trust you with my business. I'm afraid you're going to let me down. Who do I trust? I trust myself. Self-reliance. How many men in business that are successful in business are self-reliant but not God-reliant? How many good Christian men? Seriously. Man, that's that's so powerful. I mean, because it's true. Because we we tend to think that we can do everything on our own. Boom, and ready? Here's mm-hmm. the answer to the question, Joseph. Where does all the stress come from? Like I constantly, I'm stressed out. I am obsessed with worrying about the future. Yeah, you know, here's the source. Ready? Mm-hmm. It's you playing God in your own life and carrying the weight of your own destiny. That's where all the stress comes from in your life. This is why Jesus says, come and rest in me. Cast all your burdens upon me. What he's really saying is, brother, cast all your rocks upon me. Stop carrying them. All you're doing them is moving them from one side of your back to the other and trying to cope through life. You even go to therapy. I've got guys that come to me 15 years of therapy talking about their rocks. Moving them, coping, living with their rocks, learning different ways to maintain their rocks, but never get rid of them. See, I don't do therapy. I don't do coaching. Men call me when they're ready to blast their rocks to smithereens once and for all. Like they want them done. They never want to have to deal with those rocks ever again. Those are, that's what I sell. I sell peace. I sell God's peace. Come on. We all want God's peace. We had it as kids. We lost it somewhere along the way. We got buried under a pile of rocks. People throwing rocks at us. We have our own pile. We throw them back at them. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you. Going back to your example of the two men on the sidewalk. You push me. I'm going to push you. Oh, crap. You died. Imagine the guilt and shame rocks that that man now carries right so it just right. gets worse oh my god so spiritual surrender gentlemen the reason why you feel overwhelmed and stressed is because you're carrying all your rocks on your own and god wants to take them for you from you this is the key to peace is spiritual surrender i overemphasized that i spoke and gave that some extra time because this is where men get stuck we're professional control freaks mm-hmm. and we need to become surrendered sons of the father surrendered sons of the father let him take over okay step five let's go we're gonna pick up the pace here step five bold belief bold belief 
after you surrender all the rocks to God. You know what you got to do, brother? You actually got to believe God's going to take over now. And I know, I know the temptation. Man, when I gave all my rocks to God, especially the business and money ones, the finance ones, I wanted to take them back. <laughs> right. I really did. God, I don't like the way you're doing this. You, I get you took over, but I don't like your approach here. I don't like how long this is taken. See, my little control freak kicked back in. God, I disagree with that. How the way you're cleaning up my mess. <laughs> but God's ways are higher than our ways. We're never going to understand them. It's probably why they work. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So bold belief. Brother, you have to believe in God's providence, in his providence. And you have to believe in God's biblical promises. Never put God to the test. But I believe, put God's biblical promises to the test. David did this, King David. God, you said if I did this, this, and this, you would give me this. Where is it? <laughs> This isn't fair. I did my part, God. You got to do yours. Let's go. Like David has some honest, real, raw conversations with God, didn't he? Yes. And you know, God loves when his son is honest with him, even if it sounds ugly. God doesn't want perfect words when you pray. God wants an honest heart, contrite heart. He wants real repentance and he wants honesty, even if it's anger. It's okay to express anger with God. It's okay. That was some of my best prayers with God. God, I'm angry at you. Where were you when that person hurt me? Man, God met me right there, right? So you got to believe in God's promises and then hold them to it. All right, God, you said if I put you first, your kingdom first, and all your righteousness... All these areas would be granted to me. You're going to take over my life, my business, my marriage. You're going to heal it all. You're going to do it. All right, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to sign up with Joseph. I'm going to do the coaching, and I'm going to put you first. And Joseph's going to teach me what that actually looks like in a man's life, to put God first. Not just think I'm putting God first, but actually put God first in your calendar, in your time. And God, after I do that, I'm expecting and believing you're, you're going to send me your promises. See, it's a great place to be. We got to mm -hmm. get you there. And here's what's cool. Is for all you Christian men listening right now, if you truly believe in what you preach and tell others that God is a good father and he's your father and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And because he's God, he is the king of the universe and creator of all life and all existence and all creation. That means everything's within his control, not yours. And because he's a good father, well then, it is unreasonable, brother, for you to ever doubt, complain, or worry about your future. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. So why do we do it? I'll tell you why. Because we don't actually believe what we say. Mm. So it falls on us not believing in what we, 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 what we say, right? That's exactly it. Wow. But see, this is a blind spot. We actually, no, Joseph, I believe it. No, I know you believe you believe it, but the evidence in your life doesn't actually prove that you do. Otherwise, you'd be surrendering all these areas, expecting and waiting on God patiently. Be brave and courageous. What was it say? Wait patiently on the Lord. Yes. Mm -hmm. Be brave and courageous. 
Yes, wait patiently on the Lord, you little control freak. This is why God says it twice for all of us. But we don't wait patiently on him, so we don't actually believe in God's providence and promises if we're being honest with ourselves. But here's the thing. Men lie. We've been lying to ourselves since we were little boys. We lie to our wives. We lie to our kids about our emotions, about what we really feel, about the powerlessness, about the loss of control because we feel unsafe to express it. So we're professional liars. Why would we not be lying with God? Wow. It all makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's not fun to look at, though. <laughs> it brings a lot of clarity, though. <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The clarity, my friend, will lead you to the promised land. So, brother, wrapping up bold belief, you will place all your trust unreservedly in God. God is your plan B. God is my plan C, D, E, F, and G. There is no other plan than God. I'm waiting on him. Well, Joseph, I mean, what are you going to do about these real things and your family and blah, blah, blah? God's got it. I already surrendered it. Now I just have to align with God's timing. And I think that's the biggest thing is waiting that timing. Well, it's only the biggest thing for little control freaks. So Mm -hmm. for anyone listening who struggles with waiting on God, there's your evidence that you're a little control freak like the rest of us. I like that. Okay. Step six, powerful perseverance. Powerful perseverance. Brother, this means you're going to wait patiently on the Lord to bring you his best. His best. His best. Not your best. You've been trying to get your best for your whole life. How's it going? You got to wait on God's best. And God's best takes time. Because he's moving things that you don't even know about in your own life. He's connecting all the dots. He's bringing the right people. The right resources. That you don't even know what to ask for. God's best is so much bigger. Brother, most of the problems in your life is because you think too small. So did I. We all think too small. God has so much more for us. All right. Brother, as you wait, you're going to be brave and courageous, trusting that God will not fail you. He will not let you down. God will not fail you. He will not let you down. Because God is not a liar. So to receive God's best, brother, you must pass, pass his test. To receive God's best, you must pass his test. So every time there's a storm or a trial or suffering or pain in your life, something you're struggling with, dealing with, that is a test. That means God is about to give you something bigger. But before he can, he has to stretch you. That's the testing. That's the hurting. That's the working out at the gym and tearing the muscles, the painful part. And we fight against it. We resist the testing. And God's like, I can't give you more unless you become more. I got to make you bigger. I got to stretch your capacity so that you can give more, do more, hold more, have more impact. No, no. I want to stay small, God. I want to stay small. It's comfortable here. Mm. Okay. It's your choice. It's your life. Finally, step seven. You've been patient, brothers. Step seven, eager expectation. Eager expectation. This means, brother, you expect only good things from God because you are his son and he loves you. So you actually expect him to do miracles. Miracles, not little, small, mediocre advances, but blow up miracles in your life, in your marriage, 
So if your marriage is on the rocks and you're on the verge of divorce right now, brother, you actually expect God not only to heal your marriage, save your marriage, heal it, restore it, but give you the most incredible marriage that you never even thought was possible for you and the woman he gave you. Like a miracle, like a before and after transformation that demands an explanation so that you must glorify God because nobody's going to believe you did that on your own. (laughs) See, this is what God's power is accessed. Okay, so eager expectation. So you expect miracles because you actually believe. You actually believe what you tell everybody around you at church. You believe that everything is possible with God and that you can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. That means God is your strength. He's your source, not yours. Stop being self-reliant. That's why it's not working. We got to access God's strength. Call in the reinforcements of heaven. Let's go. So just as a quick recap, those are your seven steps for mastering your anger and stress. We got ownership, responsibility, leadership, surrender, belief, perseverance, and expectation. Brother, if you enjoyed that and you want more, Man, you're like drooling down your ear pods right now, listening to this. And you're like salivating. I want more, Joseph. I want more. Well, David, with your permission, I would like to offer your audience my new book called Peace and Purpose. Peace and Purpose. Who doesn't want this? Peace and Purpose, right? So if you're angry and blowing up on the wife and kids and you want to stop, you want peace. We got to get you to peace. Peace is a prerequisite to purpose. If you're angry and blowing up at home, you're never going to lean into God's purpose for your life, right? It's like trying to advance or expand your inner kingdom while you have an internal battle within it, a civil war. There's no way. It's impossible, right? So we got to get peace on the inside before you start to experience purpose on the outside, yeah? Yes. All right, so that makes sense for sure. So seven steps for mastering anger and stress. I got stories in here of real clients just like you, brother, Christian husbands doing six figures, seven figures, eight figures, winning in business before and after, man. They were losing in life, and now they're finally winning in their personal lives. So the money is actually like good. They get to use it for their dreams because they're not miserable. They're they're using it to live out their purpose rather than to feed their pacifiers, mm. their, their addictions, right? So if you want that or anything like that, or you just want to learn more, go to freepurposebook.com, freepurposebook.com, and I'm going to give you this book for free. It's 100% free, okay? It's a short read. It's easy for men. It's about a 30, 40-minute read. So you could do it in one sitting. You're welcome. It's clear, it's concise, it's powerful, it's compelling, it's going to move you into action. And all I ask, you cover the shipping, we'll mail it out to you, and I'll cover the book. I'll put skin in your game, I'll invest in you, you invest a little bit in your own recovery, okay? Come on, like, let's go. All right, how's that sound, David? Is that good? Yeah, that sounds amazing. I mean, and you guys who are listening right now, I mean... (sighs) we kind of tend to get the cart before the horse. You know, we, we go, we, we, we make a great career out there. And then we tend to tell ourselves I'm doing it for my family to give them a better life. And then yeah. in the whole entire journey of that, we forget why we're doing it in the first place. That's right. And then we lose that peace at the home. 
So why not take the step forward? Why not get this book that he's giving us totally free? Just cover the shipping, like he said. Get it. Restore that peace back in your homes, guys. You guys are called for more. Preach. And like I said, and like our, our, our podcast, the... The motto of our podcast, more than a paycheck. Be more than just a paycheck, guys. Yes. Let's go. For anyone listening, brother, if you're like Joseph, I am already successful in my business. I am killing it. I am crushing it. Yeah, I'll get the book for sure. But man, I want to work with you, dude. Something about you, your New York accent, your, you got the gift of irritation, like you irritated my spirit today enough for me to actually want to take action in the areas I've been avoiding. Well, then I may or may not be the right coach for you if you want to find out. But this is only for the guys that are killing it seven figures plus. Okay, because there's a a substantial investment to work one on one with me. I'm going to invite you to book a free purpose call with me. You got the free purpose book. Now I'm going to give you the free purpose call. Go to freepurposecall.com. Schedule a call with me. You're going to see how much it costs and everything. It's going to scare you. That's good. That's good. That means you're actually going to do the work and you're actually going to lean into your life and get the results. And I'm going to show you how I've coached so many men successfully through this, right? So you're going to start winning in those areas. And maybe you're like, Joseph, man, I'm crushing it. Yeah. In business, but I'm not angry. Like I used to deal with anger, but I don't deal with it anymore. You know where I'm stuck, Joseph? I'm stuck with my purpose. Like what does God have next for me? I have all these resources. He's blessed me. But how do I use all these resources for his kingdom? I have no idea, Joseph. Okay, I can help you with that. That's also my second specialty. You're welcome. Right? So if you want purpose and you really want to move forward in that, that go book that free purpose call at freepurposecall.com. And then if you're the guy, you're like, Joseph, I want the coaching. I want the coaching. But man, I'm not ready for that investment. Like I'm barely doing six figures, you know, but I can't do the big investment. Uh, Do you got anything like in a group setting or mastermind? You know what? Yeah, we do. Just for you. We're about to launch this baby. God's going to scale this. We're going to impact millions of men just like you. So if you want to work in and you do best in a group coaching environment with other Christian husbands, dads, and business owners that are on fire and really want to lean into the rocks in their life and watch God do the miracles and blast them out so they never have to deal with deal with it again, go to blowuprocks.com, blowuprocks.com, and go ahead and apply. I only uh, invite a certain amount of guys in. You will be interviewed. Uh, You can schedule an audition call to see if you're the right fit. And yes, you're on an audition, right? You're You're not a guy. Don't schedule an audition call if you're not actually ready to do the work. And you're just pretending and you like it. You enjoy complaining and escaping and avoiding. If you're that guy, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just at that place in your spiritual journey. But you're not the guy that I'm going to help. But if you're ready and you want to work with these other guys and get inspired by them and win together, like as a, a group of men, a fraternity, a broternity, like you want that, go to blowuprocks.com. That's all I got, David. That's all I got. Well, thank you, Joseph. And once again, guys, you guys heard it right from the man's mouth. Um, he's here to help. He had a tremendous amount of uh, good stuff to say on how to stop that anger. Um, I know you guys are going to really, really just utilize what he said today on this podcast. And I, I thank you once again, Joseph. And uh, thank you for giving us the information how to get a hold of all this free stuff that you're giving out. And uh, I appreciate you, man. 
I really do. Thank you for coming on here. You're welcome. Brother, listening, if you have not subscribed to this podcast yet with David, you haven't wrote him a five-star review, but you're just taking the content, stop being selfish. Seriously, go write the guy a review. This is his calling. He's doing a great job. He's bringing on great men and he's giving you great content to move you forward in your life and your dreams. So write an awesome review. Refer the show to some of your friends and brothers at your church. Tell them about Show Up Dad's podcast. Subscribe to the show. David's killing it. Man, thank you once again, Joseph. I appreciate you and the kind words, brother. And uh, we'll be seeing you again, bro. Thank you. God bless you all. God bless you.